I think because some people don't, you know, they might not have experience with mental illness, with depression, to know how crippling and debilitating it can be that they kind of just speak out of what they know. Um, but yeah, I'm just always reminding people like, no, God is still near. He's still present. He's not absent. Like this has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do right or wrong. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 43. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you're back spending your time here with us today. Today we're diving right into a discussion about common stigmas and misunderstandings about mental health challenges as believers and in the faith community, as well as how to have grace for yourself and show up in a sustainable way when living with a diagnosis while pursuing your passion and how to fight through the daily small obstacles that hold us back from healing and recovery and showing up for our lives. And I'm having this conversation with my good friend, Hannah Bruncher, who is an author, TED speaker, and mental health advocate with a heart for building leaders. She also founded The World Needs More Love Letters, which is a global community dedicated to sending letter bundles to those who need encouragement. And she was named one of the White House's women working to do good while being featured in Wall Street Journal, Oprah, Glamour, USAToday.com, the Chicago Tribune, and more. She is awesome. I thought this conversation was so valuable just being able to really sit down and directly address some of the misconceptions that we've held in the church about mental health. And Hannah also comes from a personal experience, as you'll hear her share her own journey of, you know, living with a mental diagnosis and even the topic of medication and what it looks like to continuously show up while also taking care of your mental health and being okay with taking one step at a time each day that gets you to the next step and ultimately being able to show up for what you feel like you're called to do. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Hannah. All right, Hannah, it's so great to have you on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. I'm doing so well. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm very passionate about these topics. So yeah, I'm just pumped to be with you. I'm so glad you're here. I feel like it was just a matter of time Mm. (laughs) uh, before (laughs) our worlds collided. Cause I mean, we've been online friends for some time on like, you know, Instagram and Twitter. And I, I see the stuff that you're preaching at the intersection of faith and mental health. And I've just, I've just been rooting you on as a friend. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Same here. You know, I think we got to, we got to stick together and put the messages out there that are really important and necessary for people that are hanging in the balance. Absolutely. And so you're the founder of the world needs more love letters where you send letter letter bundles to those who need (laughs) encouragement. I love that. And you just released your book fighting forward, which is 
so exciting. I've already like congratulated you a million times. You must be so proud. Um, so, and you have this passion for the intersectionality of faith and mental health, yes, uh, which is so awesome. And you have this lived experience, which I definitely want to talk about. So for those who aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what led to the work you're doing today with the love letters, your book, all the good stuff we should know. Yeah. So, um, I'm Hannah and I'm originally from Connecticut though. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in new England and I definitely probably wouldn't say like, I, like I grew up knowing about faith. I remember just seeing my mom, like every, every morning would grab her Bible and would go and sit at the kitchen table with her cup of coffee. And that was my strongest example of faith. You know, um, she would go to church, like without my dad, we all didn't necessarily want to come, you know, like we weren't very enthusiastic about it, but that always stuck in my head was like, every single day she finds time to meet with God. And so it must be really important. It must matter. There must be something she gets out of this, you know? Um, and so I went to a Catholic college, though I wasn't Catholic. Um, but I, up, up North, it's not really that big of a deal. You know, it's not like now living in the South, I feel like it's very much like you went to a Catholic college and it's like, you just go to a school because it's a good school up north, you know, Um, school, good private school. Exactly. Um, And so I when I graduated, I moved to New York City and I found myself struggling with loneliness and sadness and what would later become a diagnosis for depression. But as I said, like before, when we were talking, like I felt like 10 years ago, like people didn't talk about depression. It was very like taboo stigmas like really like not brought to the forefront all that month much and um at the same time I I grew up believing in just being vulnerable and sharing your story and so I never held back from saying I have this I'm dealing with this you know um but as a way of coping with my depression I started to write letters and leave them around New York City for other people to find and that was really just my way of encouraging people you know I thought I'm really lonely in this city I'm sure that there are other people that are experiencing that and I ended up blogging about the love letters like on my very small blog at the time and I said if you need a love letter for whatever reason like I'll write to you and I thought I would write to a few people I had no idea that I would spend the next nine months writing over 400 letters to strangers um, around the world who emailed me and that laid the foundation for the organization that I have today, which is more love letters. And that is us showing up in the form of handwritten notes for other people around the world that are going through something tough or tragic or hard or something that's not likely to go viral tomorrow. Um, but I would probably say too, just like in my own story of becoming a writer and an author and a speaker, I dealt with that depression that one time, but I think I thought depression was like the chicken pox. Like if you had it once, you were never going to have it again. I had no idea the like high likelihood that you would face depression again. And so, um, I experienced a crash in 2014. I, it was November 18th, 2014. And 
that was when my life really just fell apart where it was like, if I had experienced depression that first time, this needed a completely different name. Like this was something like completely more severe. Um, and from that point, I had to really fight for my life and fight my way out of that depression and rebuild my life in a way where I finally figured out how to take care of myself and find balance and rhythms and realize that like, I may deal with depression for the rest of my life. That may be the battle that I have in front of me, but that does not um, make me any less of who I am. That does not mean that I'm hindered in any way. That just means that God thinks that I'm strong enough to carry that calling. And uh, I show up to that every single day. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Oh my gosh. So many, you're saying so many things that are just like hard hitting just on everything that we preach here, but also um, just so beautiful. The letters, it's just so personal. And I love these stories of how, I mean, very similar to me where it's like you, you've gone through something that kind of brought you yeah. to your knees and it's kind of from those ashes. It's so corny, but like you from the ashes, you rise, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but your ministry comes from that. You notice this gap. And from that gap in your lived experience, um, you just have this genuine outpouring of, okay, I want to help in some way. I don't know exactly how, but you know, I'm going to write these love letters or whatever it is. And out of it comes this, you know, now you have this whole, uh, this team where you're doing this. Um, yeah. and I think that's, I think that's really amazing, I think, because a lot of times when someone's going through depression or they're dealing with a diagnosis, say they have bipolar or, or PTSD or whatever it is, um, there's this feeling of you can't be purposeful because you mm. have this. And I think you're just yeah. proof of living through that. And in what you in what you said, it's not like, oh, it's gone forever. You know, because mm. we use that language, right? I overcame it and now here I am, like, you know? Yes, and yes. in the human experience is that, like you said, you might experience depression again or you might experience these things again, but they don't define you. So I really love everything that you're saying. And I wanted to just ask you, like, we were kind of talking about this earlier, in debunking some of those stigmas, right? I mean, yeah. as a believer, as a person of faith, um, as a person who has been, who had been given a diagnosis and experienced depression and might experience it again, and now you're in this well, you're actually kind of in this high functioning role where you still mm -hmm. have to show up, yeah, daily, even yeah. though you are a human being who has to find the rhythms to live a sustainable life through this, mm. in spite of depression and whatever else. Um, what are some of those like what are some of those stigmas or things that we believe or people believe about mental health challenges or depression that hold us back that just aren't real that just aren't true where do we even begin I you know, know? <laughs> um i mean i think we were talking earlier about this idea of there are still so many people out there it surprises me that like they think that depression is 
a sin. It's something that you've done wrong. It's that's the reason that you're disconnected from God. And I, I remember too going through my um, depression and people that thought there was just something in my heart that maybe I hadn't repented for and that was going to fix the depression. Um, and it's easy to believe those things when people tell you that, you know, but like I haven't gone through it now. Like I realized maybe I was. I saw some of those stigmas so that I could debunk some of those stigmas. Um, you know, one of the things was I, I too, I believe in the power of prayer and I believe that prayer is essential and it's necessary, but I was overwhelmed by the amount of people that thought that, okay, well, we can just pray for you. And if we lay hands on you, then it's over, it's done. And I would wake up the next morning feeling like I was like damaged goods or something. Cause I'm like, but like it, that didn't, that didn't happen. Like my mind is still very much disconnected. I'm not better. And I believe that God can heal in an instant and that he does sometimes, but just because that hasn't happened, doesn't mean that he's not with you. Doesn't mean that there's not purpose in your story. Um, and so, you know, another thing that I've had to walk through is just the amount of people that think like you'll be healed when you're not taking medication anymore. And I'm very open and honest in saying like, I take medication every single day. I have since 2014. And it allows me to show up, thrive in my work, be where I need to be, love my husband, love my newborn baby. And function. Function. Yeah. And I don't understand the stigma of medication because I think, well, okay, like, my brain has lower serotonin levels. Why wouldn't I find something to help me get to show up as the best form of myself? But um, I grappled for a long time with, oh, okay, like if I could just get off medication, then I would be healed. Then I will have overcome. And it doesn't mean that I haven't been healed. And it doesn't mean that because I'm still walking through it, like, that the goal is healing. Like that's not the goal at the end of the day. Like I look at my depression and I think like, this is a very like divine partnership between me and God. And I'm still allowed to feel it and have those hard days, though there are definitely times where I wish I could just wipe those hard days out. But every time that I feel it and I can experience it, it builds more empathy in me for the people that are going through that right now, I never want to be able to lose the feeling of what it feels like to go through that, like to remember how hard that is. Um, and so, yeah, it is a lot of toxic things um, that I wish I could just like debunk of like, it is not a matter of you doing X, Y, and Z for you to then be healed by God. Like that's not how this works. And if anybody yeah. has told you that, like, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Like that's what that is. And I think because some people don't, you know, they might not have experience with mental illness, with depression to know how crippling and debilitating it can be that they kind of just speak out of what they know. Um, but yeah, I'm just always reminding people like, no, God is still near. He's still present. He's not absent. Like this has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do right or wrong. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. 
That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the signup process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Right, right. It's so interesting you say that because I will like make posts online about how, you know, hey, you can come to Christ and still struggle with the symptoms of trauma or depression or anxiety, you know, that you still have to develop and learn more healing and coping skills for for the rest of your life. You know, and then I always get, you know, there's always one person that's like, well, I prayed and God healed me of all my trauma and I never experienced a symptom again. And I'm, you know, and I'm like that, you know, I'm like you, I believe in the power of prayer. God bless you. That is amazing. That is fantastic that you never have to deal with that again. But the truth of the matter is most people um, will still have to work through the human experience, just like any yes. other physical ailment. And, and so I think that we just have, if I can say bluntly, a bad theology of illness and we Mm. perpetuate it by saying right like this bad thing is happening in your life because of some type of disobedience because we because we've combined Mm. like um like curses to disobedience so if you're experiencing some kind of like curse quote unquote in your life or some bad thing in your life yeah it must be a result of disobedience and to me that's an easy cop-out like that's an easy thing to say because that makes it very black and white it's harder yeah. it's harder to go okay wait there are all these dynamics and you can do all the right things and you can love god with your whole heart and you can still experience end up experiencing mm. depression that's harder to deal with because now you have to accept the fact that you can do all the faith things and life can still 
hit you. Like how Matthew yeah. says, the rain falls on yep. the just and the unjust alike. And there's nothing you can do to control that. You can try to prevent it. You can try to do X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, it can still – because that, that's what that means. Because now you have to say, now it can happen to me. <laughs> Even if I do all yes. the right things, it can happen At to me. At any time. And that is a fear. And so in like a grip of control, we it's easier to say, well, it's because of disobedience. Because then you can say, well, if I do all the right things, then it won't happen. And that's just not yeah, true. I, I struggled with that. I remember when it first hit, I kept being like, oh, but What's God, wrong what with did me? I do? <laughs> what did yeah. I, I'm sorry. I won't ever do anything wrong again. I promise. Like, I don't even know what it is. But like, there has to be something. I have to be able to fix this, you right. know? I mean, I remember like some girl a few years ago, like reached out to me and just was like, hey, like, you know, I had depression and I prayed and it went away. And I just I you need to know that you're not accessing the full power of God. And I was like, oh, oh like honey, <laughs> like you just don't even need to get into my DMs like you don't you don't need to do that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, I so relate. When I was in my early 20s and I had just really come back to Christ and I was on fire, you know, I was struggling with some things, I think with like heavy self-doubt and self-esteem issues and a little bit of anxiety and stuff. And you go to these conferences, right? You go to these Christian conferences Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, you're going to be delivered and set free and this and that. And you're thinking, okay, this is my moment. I'm going to go to the altar. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know, and you're inspired and you're in this moment and you know you're hoping like this will be gone for good you know yep. after this yep. prayer after this conference after this yeah. thing you know and then like you said you wake up the next day or the next week and you're still struggling like god i thought you removed this what's wrong with me and then you feel like something's wrong with you and it creates a lot of shame and i think that's what yep. people don't realize yep. is the result of that is usually just more shame um, because people do continue to struggle and have to find ways to cope with that. Um, well, and it puts you, yeah. like you said, like, I think it puts you into a space of like, okay, well, like life will happen when I'm healed. Life will happen right, when I get over this hurdle. And it's like, no life, life is not on pause just because you're dealing with this. And like, you can absolutely like go at the speed that is necessary for you. But like, life is still happening and God still wants to use you in the midst of this. Like he didn't bench you. Like there's a, there's a reason and a purpose for this. Like, you know, like that, that darkness was very dark and very severe, but I would go through it a thousand times more to be able to meet people in those same woods and have that lived experience of like, I've been there before. I know what the trees look like. I know how, hard that is and I'm with you and it's okay if today like the victory is like putting on pants like I feel that like that's huge you know so it's like I think we want to shield ourselves from different things because we don't want to have to go through things that hurt but like we forget that like when we go through those things like we are better equipped to reach back our hands and help somebody else walk through the exact same thing Yeah, I'm so grateful for voices like yours and people who have gone through the darkness. I find that um, those tend to be the same people who are the most compassionate, who are the most empathetic, who really know how to Mm -hmm. sit with people's souls and meet them where they are in a very genuine way. Um, Even in my like mental health support group, you know, it's on Facebook. It's like the encouragement and the advice that people give to each other 
coming from that place is just so yeah beautiful um and, and that being said because like you you were saying you sometimes believe okay once I get healed from depression or once I get healed from anxiety or in this thing then I can show up for my life then I'll be able to be purposeful then I'll be able to do all these things and um it it really is more so I think a matter of resilience maybe I would say um like you seem very resilient not meaning that it's not about not going through these things it's about when you go through these things how are you Mm. pushing through them um to power forward um I think that I think that some people believe that it's like this innate ability to be able to show up like some people just have the ability to show up Mm. and other people don't when really it's a lot of us are facing the same thoughts or um they might look at you and say yeah Hannah wrote a book she's just one of those people that are resilient enough mm. to do that she's one of those people that just can do that but like you said you still have you still take medication every day you still have to push yeah. through you still have to create rhythms and it's really about the thoughts and the coping skills that you're applying in that moment that are, are allowing you to power forward it's not that you never have those moments again or that yeah. you stop yeah. dealing with it so mm-hmm. what are you like what are your thoughts on like how would you define resilience or even just from experience for those who are believing there are those who show up and can do this stuff and th- and there are those who can't and I'm one of those I'll never be able to do what Hannah does um because I, I'm struggling with these things I'm never gonna be able to show up that way I'm just not that type of person hmm yeah you know I think like resilience like I totally agree with you I don't think that like it's something or it's like that person was just born with more resilience I right, think that it's right. like to me I liken it to like a muscle where if you train it and you build it, it is going to grow and expand over time. And I think that like my resilience has definitely grown over the years. I definitely like when I walked through that depression, I did not come out on the other side being like, and now I'm going to go and tackle everything. Like I still had a full plate of things that I had to do. And the amount of like support that I had was insane. The people that sat beside me and like wrote emails for me while I sat there and got me on planes to go to speaking engagements. And I would literally be having panic attacks before having to get on stage. And like, to me, I think when you want to figure out like, how do I build my resilience? I would just break it down to these incredibly small steps. That's all it is at the end of the day is like, small things like that's how I recovered it wasn't like I woke up one day and just seized the day I I decided I was going to stay and I was going to fight and I fought through small things of like okay like maybe I don't feel like going to a workout class but I know right now that that's going to give my brain an extra boost of endorphins and I need that so I'm gonna go do that Or, you know, I don't really feel like reading my Bible, but I know that I'm going to get truth to combat the lies that I'm believing. So I'm going to do that. And it's all these small things, but you have to really be dedicated to behind the scenes work, like work that like the rest of the world probably is never going to be able to see. And that's okay. And that's essential, like for you to be able to show up and play your part. And so I would tell anybody, like, don't belittle those small steps. Like that's really all life is like, 
even if people like look at me now in the midst of a book launch with like all these different things going on, like the only way that I get through these days is to break it down into very small tasks of like, okay, podcast interview over here. Okay. Have to send that email. Okay. Have to do this. You know, it's, it is all a variety of small things and you just get really good at like showing up each day to say, this is, this is the mission for the day. And I'm going to do as much as I can, because, you know, there are going to be days where it doesn't work and like where you need to have grace for yourself or the schedule is going to be, (laughs) yes, be flexible, you know, and give yourself grace in that. Totally. I I think that with this social media world, we just see people show up, you know what I mean? Mm. Like people are looking at you and it's like, boom, she released a book, right? It's like we say, it's this highlight reel often. So all we're seeing is people's end process. So then we're seeing our in-between process. We're seeing our unseen process. And, you know, we're struggling, like maybe with how to get, with getting through the day or we're struggling with writing or whatever it is. And we're comparing and saying, oh my gosh, I'm struggling to do this thing. So I must not be qualified to do it or I must not be able to do it, you know, because... I just saw you release a book, you know, and, it, yeah, and it's yeah. like, and, but I didn't see your process and that you were struggling too every step mm. of the way. So yeah. we're disqualifying ourselves, you know, based off of other people's end results yeah. that we only yeah. see, which I, which it's I like, think it's so important, why it's so helpful for you to, that you're sharing this. Well, and I think that too, I'm like, that's just been a reality in the last like 10 years or so. And it's like, I have been trying in my own life to get back to a place where like, I don't like, I savor the behind the scenes work, but that I think I can also be somebody who's like, oh, okay, but like, I can still document it and then like share it later, you know, but it's like, wait a minute, like, what does it look like to live a life where like, it's okay if not everything is documented, you know, these moments are just enough for me that if I never put another thing on social media ever again, I would be okay. And I would be able to live this life. And so it's like, I'm sure you see it in your research of like the screens have made this that much harder of a battle because we're looking to one another to say like, oh my gosh, like you have the life that I want to live. And like, I'm rating myself compared to where you are on the scale. And like, that will be like, that'll be the quickest thing to make you tumble into a dark pit. You know, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. And that being said, um, I wanted to ask you, like, what helps you, like, what helps keep you grounded and true to mm. the person God has created you to be in an online world filled with the temptation to be what other people want to see? Like, you write a lot yeah. of encouraging quotes and letters online, and you're very inspirational. Um, you have just just some beautiful words out there and thoughts. And I would even say people probably look to you as an encouragement figure, right? Like as this public figure. So, but, so what helps keep you grounded in who God created Hannah to be, um, offline, you know, um, and not just kind of curate yourself or feel Mm. the need to curate yourself to what your followers or audience wants to see. Yeah, no, there's so many things. I mean, I think for me, I have like what I consider to be like my daily battle plan. And like like that that. is like, these are the essentials of like how I know I will show up to live my best life. Um, I will stay rooted and grounded. And so 
that, I mean, that is in staying surrounded, meaning like I accept invitations. I see my friends, like obviously in a pandemic world, it's a little bit harder, but like where I can see people, I see people, I stay surrounded, um, staying in the word of God, even when I don't feel like it, even when I feel like, okay, like my list is really long today. I don't have time for that. It's like, no, you have time for that. And that is going to expand all your hours. So you just need to get in front of God, um, monitoring the foods that I eat, which is not the most fun thing in the world. Like I am somebody who would love to eat Domino's pizza at all times and get McDonald's and it doesn't make me feel good. And I have to realize that like, I'm more sensitive to these things. And so I have to be, um, mainly I would say like 80, 20 paleo lifestyle has been like the balance I've found. Um, getting a sweat session in like that's essential for me of like, you know, getting out and moving my body. And then, you know, like, I think a big thing is having boundaries when it comes to the screen, especially because like social media, it can take so much from you or like, I never want it to be that like, you know, my head gets big or I'm like, oh, I'm so necessary. I'm so needed. Like that's not going to be, (laughs) it's not going to be good for like my mental health. Like my priorities are like, they are my family. They are my newborn, newborn daughter, you know? And it's like, so I really take social media and I just include it as a part of my work day. I batch content. I, yes, I create it in advance because I found that if I don't, this not this night has happened so many times in my life where I will be like laying on the couch. You're like watching a TV show. You're like scrolling at the same time. You're like, oh man, everybody's like really like posted something recently. It's been a few days since I've posted anything. So like, I probably need to post something now. I got to stay relevant, you know? <laughs> got to stay you, relevant. You pluck something out of the atmosphere. <laughs> you repost something, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're posting just because you have a need to be validated, just because you need to be affirmed. And I will tell, I will speak from experience that has never made me feel any bit better. It's actually made me feel worse because then I'm super hypercritical of like, I don't think people liked that. Like, I don't even know that I liked that, you know, because I didn't post from a healthy place. And so I try to keep all of my content creation for other people within a workspace so that I'm creating out of my best self. I'm not just creating because I need you to see me, you know, like I want to show up and serve people. And so that's going to be the the number one focus. And if that's not the number one focus in the work zone that I'm in, then that's not the time to create it. Um, and so yeah. boundaries with the phone, I think are huge. I have like a phone box over here that I put my phone in and it reminds me to stay present and to be right here yeah. with the task at hand. Oh my gosh. I love that. I need to get a phone box. And then oh my gosh, whenever yeah. people come over, drop it in the phone box. <laughs> come on, right? Exactly. Yeah. To be like unplugged with people. Yeah. Literally the moment that you start creating things just for validation, that is a, that's a spiral. You're going to send yourself up and down emotionally. You're not going to feel grand grounded or like your feet are planted and you're going to create more self doubt. Um, so I, I know, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. It's really, mm-hmm. it really is great instead to have moments where you have a flow where you are passionate about something and batch and kind of schedule ahead, especially, especially like you said, and I think this ties into anyone who does struggle with anxiety or depression or 
anything where your mood any day could just like be out of left field right, right? Yep. and it's hard to do anything or create anything and then you're like oh I can't do anything because oh my mood is off whatever if it's batched your work and then you schedule it out you don't have to you also don't have to worry about those days um where you feel off because you already have content going out um, absolutely from when from your maybe your better days I, we just turned this into like a social media manager conversation <laughs> I don't know why but but well, I think that's so where people are is tied up in yeah. social media you know and that's where people are and you have a lot of people who are passionate about things and want to show up and you know social media is a natural platform to want to do that but their mental health might be getting in the way and yeah. they might not feel great about that. So I think that's really great um, to talk about. So um, so you have this contract in your book and it is the promise me you'll fail. Um, can you tell me more about this promise me you'll fail contract? It's It sounds, it, it sounds cringy, but I know where I have a feeling of where you're where you're going because the perfectionist yeah. in me is cringing, but I know yep. that this is good. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I originally created this contract for an intern of mine who is my first intern coming on board, and I'd had interns in my full time job like before I went self employed, and like there was so much paperwork that they had to fill out, and I just remember always thinking like gosh, this probably doesn't make them feel any bit better. Like they're already so nervous and so scared of failing. And what I wanted her to know is that like, you probably are going to fail. Like that's going to happen. And the the sooner we can take the fangs and the claws off of failure, like the better for you to realize like that failure is actually like, it's not a bad thing. Like it's a good thing. You can grow from that. You can learn from that. Like I'd rather you fail and be able to like, look at your life and realize like, okay, like I learned so much or like I encountered God here, or I would have never, ever, ever been able to, you know, um, have the appreciation and the value that I have for this thing if I hadn't been there. And like, there is a part in fighting forward that, um, I believe it's in the same chapter that I write about when, um, things got so bad that I ended up being hospitalized and mm -hmm. the next day they discharged me and I went to an inpatient program and I remember sitting in the waiting room and like looking around at all these people and I kept thinking to myself like why am I here like what is going on what happened to my life like I was just I was holding everything together and then all of a sudden I wasn't anymore and I don't belong here. These people belong here. I don't belong <laughs> right, here. I don't. Know? Yeah. Like I, they need to know, like I hold things together, but none of that mattered in that moment. But I think years ago, I definitely looked at that and thought that's failure. Like this is failure and failure is something that we hide from the rest of the world. We don't tell people about it. We definitely don't give it a platform, you know? Um, but like through years of experience and grace, I realized like, no, no, no. Like that was, that was necessary. That was essential. I needed to go through that. And like, if all that I learned that day was that I am no different than the person that's sitting next to me, that none of us deserve to suffer in this way, then that's enough, you know, to have right. to go to that place. And so it's reframing to say, okay, like, failure is inevitable. So like, how can I fail forward? Like, how can I like, yeah, 
find a way that I'm able to be thankful for the failure in my life because it's going to happen. It's totally going to happen, you know? Yeah, I love the term failing forward. And I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, that'd be the next book, right? Yeah, so. that's your next book. We got it. <laughs> what else can we plan while we're here? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like the things that people tell me have been the most helpful in my work are the things that I made mistakes in or that I failed in or yep. that I didn't that I didn't understand at one point that I learned to get a greater, a better perspective on through experience. So I totally totally agree. Like, um, it's, you know, they say failure or mistakes. It's not a life sentence. It's a lesson learned and you need all of that. Otherwise, honestly, we'd all just be like really shallow. If I can say bluntly, like we just be really shallow and just not have much substance to give if we never, learn from anything like that's yeah. how, that's and how failure you get i feel gems. like can be such a good teacher you know that's how you get all the gems yeah, yeah so true so if you were to um obviously you are sharing this book but who would you say um the book is for like who would you say i mean obviously it's it's for everyone everyone should read it i'm already i'm already pushing that now um but like who is it who would you say this is speaking to who do you say who would you say should probably hear some of the things that you have written that would really benefit from it I think it's probably for you know it is for a wide variety of people but I think that I think at any age like there are people who have wanted to start something or go towards something and they just haven't because they're afraid. They're afraid of failing. They're afraid of what that looks like. Some people are even afraid of success, you know? And I think that that's who I am continually speaking to in the book is that like, Hey, like, no, like there, there's no time like right now. And you just need to show up imperfectly and just start. And I I definitely think like that is the most prominent person that I'm speaking to is the person that feels like I can't start because like fear has consistently held me back. And otherwise you're going to get to the end of your life and you're just going to be like broken hearted. You'll have broken your own heart, you know, of like things you wanted to do, but you never thought that you were worthwhile to step out and do them. Yeah. I think so many people are struggling with that. I'm hearing that doubt all the time. Imposter syndrome is a big thing, you know, and it's with imposter syndrome, it's like no matter what level you get to, you always find a reason to discredit and disqualify yourself. At some Mm. point, you have to get to a place where you just start where you are. Because you you can think of a million reasons why you shouldn't be doing something or why you shouldn't be the person to be doing it. And you can do that throughout your whole life, no matter how far you get. So you're right. It'll it'll just follow you. If you don't at some point just go, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to start right here with what I have, with who I am. And then you grow through that. And as you grow, you you expand on, on what you're doing. And you don't have to know where it's going to lead. Like I look at like everything that's happened from like a single love letter, you know, and I'm like, well, I could have never predicted any of this. Like God was the one that orchestrated all of this, but it started with my obedience and just saying, yes, I'll show up for that. I'll do that. And then I'll do the next thing. And then the next thing, you know, and I, I mean, I would encourage anybody, I, I get into this a lot in the book, but like to fall in love with the work, with yes. the behind the scenes the work, process. that's where it's yeah. at. Like, that's what matters. And like, if you just want to do something so you can gain 
clout or influence or for people to see you like that affirmation is just never going to fill you it just will never fill i second that (laughs) and on that note because i know that i feel like there's so much we could talk about uh you have a lot of all all of this you guys are hearing and more like you can follow hannah and just her instagram is so inspiring and she's on twitter she's on instagram she's everywhere how can people stay connected to you and the work you're doing and where can they find your book so they can find me through hannah brencher uh social media online blog um and the book is fighting forward it is sold Wherever books are sold, whether that's Amazon, a bookstore, support your local bookstore, shop indie, whatever it is, um, that's where you'll find it. Shout out to those of you who are putting out books during a pandemic and yeah. writing books <laughs> right? during a pandemic. I would tell pandemic. you to go to a bookstore, but I don't know oh that they're gosh. open. So. What a time to be alive. I'm so happy for you. Um, <laughs> my book is coming in, so I can't wait. Um, you guys can check out all of her links in the show notes below. Um, but thanks so much for coming on. This was so, I love this conversation, so valuable. Um, and thanks guys for listening. Until next time.